Hey y'all, welcome to the podcast. I missed you guys. It's been such a crazy year, 2020, but hopefully 2021 will be way better. COVID has gotten the best of us, especially in Florida, because people don't know how to follow rules, but hopefully we can get past that just in time for the new year. Welcome to the podcast once again. In case you guys missed it, Takashi 69 documentary came out um, yesterday on Hulu and oh my goodness it was so good it's called six nine the saga of danny hernandez and it's like an investigative documentary that follows everything that has transpired throughout his entire career from the accusations of pedophilia to his court cases to him snitching on an entire gang organization and bringing them down so uh we're gonna touch on a lot of things including the king von shooting we lost King Von this year along with other rappers. It's crazy. Lil Boosie got shot a couple of days ago. <laughs> 2020 is really trying to like take everyone away from us. Rest in peace, Alex Trebek. And now we're going to start the show. I tell a nigga don't dick ride, don't dick ride. Leave it to the double thick thighs, twin sisters. Jumping down and wobble, wobble up. Mommy boot it up. She get down and gobble, gobble up. Cause my money up. Slide, slide in the belly trucker. The rave trucker. Your bestie is a dick sucker. I'm a big double. So we're back. It's LB from 305 The Juice. How are you guys doing out there? Oh my goodness. Like I said, COVID's got the best of us. It's been a whole year, a whole entire year since I actually did like a real podcast. So I'm super excited. Let's dive right into it. The 6ix9ine documentary on Hulu. I thought I knew who 6ix9ine was, but it turns out um, I was very, I was wrong, but I was right at the same time. I've always been a supporter of him because... I feel like he just invented this person and he just like like just reinvented himself and became this overnight sensation and he's so young and I was like I applaud that young man for actually like a selling um accelerating a, a hip-hop career in New York and there's so much competition in New York as far as rappers as far as rappers and there's so much competition on the internet and he just broke the internet and I found that to be so amazing and he's a very um amusing character however however when it really gets down to the nitty-gritty Takashi 69 he is something else okay so what we're gonna do is because it just came out so I know a lot of you probably haven't seen it so um I'm gonna dive into like every little crevice of the documentary itself once you listen after you listen to this podcast you're gonna feel like you didn't miss a beat like I basically summarize everything that you need to know. You can love him, you can hate him, but his story is amazing nevertheless. So the story starts out with his baby mama, Sarah Molina, talking about how he began. Um, He used to work at a corner store, a bodega in New York, and he used to make sandwiches. He was like a regular dude. So let's dive into that, and we're going to listen to a little bit of his, um, his baby mama talking about his life. Um, she starts out talking about, like I said, the bodega, him working at the bodega, but then she, um, talks about how his stepfather got killed when he was just 13 years old. So take a listen. His stepfather was like a major highlight of his life. 
Do you know anything about the murder or anything? I know he had told me that his stepfather was gang affiliated. He was asked, I guess, to go to the store, the supermarket with his stepfather, and his stepfather, he told him that he didn't want to go, so a little while after that, they came knocking on Danny's mom's door and on Danny's door saying that their stepfather is two blocks away, you know, on the ground bleeding. As a teenager, Danny would walk past the location of his stepfather's murder every single day on his way to work at the bodega. Like, I type hate myself for that shit. I was 13, I weighed like 150. I dropped to like 90, 80 pounds. I didn't shower in like two months. Woo, that man said he ain't take a shower in two months. Now that is true depression. Can you imagine, like you have to work. Like he grew up in a poor area. You gotta go to work and he has to pass by that same spot that his stepfather who raised him, cause his real dad walked out on him when he was young. So he had to pass by that spot and see the exact area and location where his stepfather was um, murdered and that must be tough um i just want to throw in a disclaimer as we move forward the language in this podcast is going to be incredibly explicit because it's not my words but i'll be playing clips throughout the podcast of um you know different people in the documentary and at some point it's going to get really really explicit so if you're under the age of 18 and you're listening right now i advise you to turn this um podcast off don't blame me i don't need none of y'all mothers um emailing me or you know calling anchor like hey like this podcast has some stuff on it um yeah it's like that um okay so after his stepfather got killed um what happened was Takashi was working at the bodega and he ended up running into a group of kids and they um they formed a music group and it was called um scum so scum stands for society can't understand me and so they started doing well and what he'd do is he would like he created like logos like he he basically created like a ghetto clothing line and it had these really explicit words on it like the c word not the um not the male genitalia c word the female genitalia c word and it would just have like stuff about um stds and hiv like and people would be like oh let me take a picture of you because it was just so outrageous so that's kind of like how he got his rap career rumbling like before he even knew that he wanted to be a rapper he just knew that he wanted to stand out um so he ends up um rapping with this he wasn't rapping with scum but he was like a part of their clique and that's when um, he ended up creating this music video that had a 13-year-old girl involved in it. And um, he, he, he said he didn't know that the girl was 13, and apparently they had sex with the 13-year-old girl. And I don't think he did, so he says. We, we would never know. But um, he definitely had to go to court. He got two years of probation. He copped the plea. And um, he started hanging out with Trippy Red. They became close. So it was... And, um, so it was kind of like he was gaining clout off the rapper Trippy Red. So uh, take a listen. But internally, Scum Gang was starting to fall apart. Rumor is. Oh, that was another thing that I forgot to mention. He started getting like on his high horse and he didn't want to mess with Scum Gang anymore. He was just like, I'm better than you guys. And it started causing internal conflict within the group. So listen. Is that P and Zilla had paid $100,000 for Danny's bail. One more thing I forgot to mention, that 
group that he was a part of, they did pay money for him to get out of jail. And it's like, once he got what he needed, he was out of there. And it, it, that's, that's crazy. You can't turn your back on people who care for you. So take a listen. And that he'd never repaid them. They started beefing on social media. This nigga goes to jail for a rape charge minor. Zilla, do not scum gang. None of y'all niggas scum gang. Nigga, I'm scum gang, nigga. Niggas know From my knowledge, scum gang is one person. Scum gang is Danny. That's funny that he, the gang in his mind was actually just him. <laughs> yeah, so he, so like, uh, 6 9 basically was like, okay, like, forget about y'all. I'm gonna do my thing. And that's why this guy is laughing, because he's like, we were there for you at the bodega. Like, what are you doing? You just totally forgot about us which is freaking horrible so like i said um he's hanging out with trippy red so eventually trippy red is like listen like you are on some like weird stuff and i can't vibe with you anymore so here's trippy red who has really good music by the way shout out to trippy red he's basically disowning takashi listen i'm sorry bros 1400 don't promote pedophiles we we don't we don't fuck with uh weird niggas 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 is on some whole different shit now if we after if being labeled about, a pedophile and losing fire. all his allies so yeah so basically nobody wanted to talk to um six nine after that like he had to rebrand himself and he was trying to figure out a way to do it so he ends up meeting this guy named harv and harv was like okay i'm gonna um introduce you to Seiko and Chanel of Treyway. They're a couple. And uh, so Takashi reached out to them. And this is like how like kind of like the gang activity started. So now you guys understand the connection of how 6ix9ine got into the position that he's in today. Listen. Yeah, so he reaches out to Seiko and Chanel but before that like he puts out this diss record um about Trippy Red but we'll get into that in a second so this is Chanel and um Seiko talking about what happened when Takashi reached out to them the call and my manager's like yo you want to come meet this kid I pull up he played his stuff I like the videos and that's how he was presented to us the videos he told us himself his music was trash my music is trash, my video fire. What did you think about when you heard that? Throw the jeans. So, um, after that, they end up putting um, 6 9 you know, kind of on the map a little bit. You know, he's um, he's meeting with the, the Bloods and, you know, to me, okay, so it's a little funny story that I'm, I don't have a clip for, but I'm going to explain it to you. So he decided that he was going to create the diss track um, Gummo against Trippy Red. He goes out and he buys all these red bandanas and he hands them out to actual blood members, blood gang members. And I was like, wow, that just goes to show you how people are followers. And he was like telling them what to do. He was like, wear it like this, wear it on your head, wear it around your neck. And it was just doing it. And I was like, how is this little 20 something year old boy? He wasn't even in his 20s yet. That dude was like, barely 20 he was like 19 and he was manipulating grown men i could not believe it it was unbelievable so like in this clip 
Takashi's walking down the street and he and he says it in his own words and he was like praying to God like something has to change. I was like, boy, I don't know what God you were praying to. He must have been praying to the demigods, but somehow he made his way to stardom. So listen to this part. The entertainment. Yeah. It's to have you going, oh, ah, or wow. It's for the entertainment. Before I blew up, right? This right here. For a year and a half. I would pray every day while walking, and I would be like, God, please change my life. Please change my life. I got a baby. I can't even buy pampers. Please change my life. Please change my life. Please change my life. Then Gummo came, and life changed. So after that, he ends up meeting Shadi, the one that he ended up um, snitching on, who, by the way, got 15 years in prison. I'm not going to say, oh, it's because of um, 6 9 that he got those 15 years because that dude was wild. They show a clip of him like riding in Miami in his Lamborghini, speeding to the top of the limit. And they said he caught a charge in New Jersey where he had a machete, he had heroin, he had crack on him. And it was a girl that he was with, and he was like, hey, like, can you put this heroin inside your booty hole? Like, what? Are you, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, my God. Every time I say the word booty hole, I think about that scene in Girls Trip with Tiffany Haddish where she's like, you can't get no affection in your booty hole. It's a booty hole. But, yeah, he was doing crazy stuff. So he and Shadi end up becoming, like, bosom buddies and they're traveling all around the world and they're visiting the Swiss Alps. I don't I don't even know what the Swiss Alps is. <laughs> like I've heard of it but I I didn't really know until I saw this documentary. I was like, "Wow, he was really living a good life." And um essentially, I believe that Shadi was the Suge Knight of Treyway. And we'll get into that in a second. Just listen to this. Knight was on top of his game. Money was flowing in. And he found a perfect partner in crime in Shadi. I'm really the king of New York. Like, I'm really the king of my city. And I'm happy. I'm happy. Like, I'm just fucking happy. So after that, um... We're going to fast forward to Shadi kind of turning on him. So it seemed like, you know how, the reason why I compared him to Suge is because, you know how Suge had nothing going for himself except his strong arm? Like, everybody was afraid of him. But at the end of the day, Suge had no real talent. He was just kind of bullying people because he had the money or he had the clout. In this case, Shadi didn't really have the money, but... Um, he he wanted to be in charge so the thing that was getting in the way of shoddy being in charge of 6ix9ine is that 6ix9ine was signed already to this label by this big shot this big wig um the big wig was actually the father of the record label but the son the son and 6ix9ine were really close so what ends up happening is that all of them end up at philippe chow in new york and they exchanged some words and shoddy ends up going crazy and hitting people over the head and it it got pretty intense um and uh one of um the security guards that was working with um takashi who was a um an off-duty cop he ended up shooting one of the people who was on shoddy's team so it that's when the war kind of started rumbling and then you see things unraveling so then um what happens is you uh what happens is that Shoddy, not Shoddy, but Harv, the dude who introduced Takashi 69 to Chanel and Seiko of Treyway. 
Harv ends up kidnapping Takashi and pistol whipping him. And um, at this point, so Takashi lived, obviously. It was, he got beat up pretty bad though. Um, he had to give up all his jewelry and stuff. He ended up going to the hospital, but he survived. So that's when Takashi was like, oh, and by the way, also, they put a hit out on his mom. That was another thing. I was like, wow, this is really getting out of control. I remember when I first heard about it. But around this same time, come to find out, um, Takashi said that his own people were stealing from him. The people within his camp, like, for example, if he gets a show and he's supposed to get paid $10,000, the internal promoters in his group will be like, oh, you're only supposed to get paid $2,000. So they were stealing from him. So he decided, you know what, like, I'm done. So take a listen. And they show the actual footage of him being kidnapped because it's recorded for some reason. Everything's recorded. He records everything. His people record everything. And apparently they have like trillions of cameras on the streets in New York. I had no idea New York was set up like that. But you can't get away with anything up there. I don't even know how they were so brazen like with these shootouts and stuff. So this is a scene where you can actually hear the real live footage of Takashi being kidnapped. So I leave the house, we get like a block away, two blocks away, we're at a red light, and the car just smashes the whole back of the car. My face almost hit the fucking dashboard. And he's telling me in Spanish, like, I'm gonna let them go, let me just make sure they're okay. I'm like, all right. I'm looking in the summer, all I see is this dude, I see the gun at his head. So that was Harv, the dude who introduced um, Takashi to to Chanel and Seiko in case you're not following along with this story because I know it's a lot Harv is the one who robbed him and he was like give me your money give me your money and it was really crazy but you guys know what's even crazier the way he talks to people you think after all that stuff that he had been through that he'll be like you know what let me calm down I'm only 23 years old I've been through a lot of crap <laughs> you know like let, let me slow my roll Nope, he did not slow his roll. Listen to this. You know how many people I told suck my dick in this industry? Everybody suck my fucking dick. Suck my fucking dick. Suck my fucking dick. Suck my fucking dick. Suck my dick. Suck my dick. Suck my dick. Suck my dick with your mother's lips. Have your mother suck my dick. Yo, I done told the whole world to suck my dick. When I saw that part, I was like, oh my God, this little boy is out of control. So let's fast forward. Um, so he starts doing press and he starts saying like, everybody's fired. I don't care. Everybody's fired. And he's he's kind of like trying to start over a new slate, which is kind of hard to do with all the things that you've done. Um, he did a ton of press. I ain't gonna lie. It was super amusing. It was super funny, but at the same time, super sad. Take a listen. What's up everybody? So I'm letting everybody know that I canceled my whole tour. The American dates is not happening. It's not going down. I fired everybody in my team. I got no manager. I got no booking agent, no PR, no public. I don't got nobody on my team. It's just me. After his and see, I think that's the problem that he, and they mentioned this at the end, the very end of the documentary. They're like, 
he's a one-man show but like he'll use you and then like dispose of you and you know i was blindly walking into being a fan of takashi 69 because i had no idea like the inner workings of his brain and to me like i can't separate the artist from the art don't get me wrong because i'm still gonna listen to takashi like i who he what he who he, who he did dirty like as a person that's not my business but uh, what he has done as an artist in the music and to be able to pull himself by the bootstraps and like exit the trenches like it's nothing, I find that very admirable. But ultimately, um, his reckless mouth is what caused his demise. But, you know, I can't even say it totally caused his demise because his music is still popping, it's still streaming, he's still popular, he's still famous. But as far as like some of the views that I think his fans are going to have on him after this, um, this documentary really takes off, it's going to be way different. Um, and he kind of played the victim a little bit at the end, too. Listen. Have we seen the video yesterday? I learned the hallway, right? Every blood is not your blood. Let's just put that like that, right? Correct. There's a difference between being a gang member and just being a Dirty nigga. <laughs> <laughs> He's crazy. <laughs> so the documentary kind of wraps up with um, all the people who was close to him that he pushed out of his camp saying that he was no good. Not the ones who got locked up. The actual gang members that he snitched on, there was about 10 of them that got locked up. Well, actually, it was exactly 10 of them who got locked up. It was a 100 years split between each of them. So you do the math. And as far as like the people who helped him, like his driver and Chanel and Seiko and Chanel's mom, um, they all just said like he's a trash person and they just like really went in on him, especially Chanel's mom. The older woman, it was so funny because she was saying about how when she invited him over to Thanksgiving, he had never had a Thanksgiving before, which is so sad. Um, but she really went in on him at the end of the dock. And she was just like, you didn't even know what Thanksgiving pie was. It's so funny. <laughs> Take a listen. My mother's house is a headquarters for blood, which that's definitely not the case. Or because we might, you know, if somebody say they hungry and come in and stuff, you know, she might take them in and, and feed them or whatever. But he took advantage. He slept on my floor. This he is ate the mom. My food, and every he, he did not know what pie was. He ate Thanksgiving dinner with me. He didn't know what pie was. With his stupid ass. That was hilarious. It took me out. She was so mad. And you think about like somebody off the street, you know, uh, she said that Sakashi used to sleep on their floor and she used to feed him and stuff. So for him to turn his back on all these people, I just found that to be, you know, very grimy. You don't do that. But you know, um, they did mention Takashi's father a few times um, in the in the documentary, and his father wasn't in his life for 15 years, and he said that he was happy that the stepdad had got killed. Yeah, and he was like, um, what else did he say? Oh, he was like, that's my son, that's my son, like telling people on the street, and I was like, wow, like you weren't even there during his entire life, and he also showed up to court and stood up in the middle of the courtroom at one point and was like, that's my son and Takashi was like I can't believe this he was just like I feel like my life is a joke and it was just so outrageous but what I gathered from the entire documentary 
you could take it both ways. It was like the fight against dark and evil. I, at the end of the day, I kind of don't think that Takashi is a bad person. I think it was the environment that caused him to think the way he did, to turn his back on certain people. Um, he was abusive to his baby mama. She said that he used to beat her like even before the fame. But ultimately what I took from it is that you should never do people dirty who helped you. When people take the time out to feed you and clothe you and help you during your dark times, when you make it and you have money and you have the ability to do for other people, you should do what's right. And But like I said, I'm separating the art from the artist and I'm still gonna listen to Takashi to this night. Oh, I tell a nigga, don't dick rob, don't blink rob, leave it to the double thick thighs, twin sisters. Drop it down and wobble, wobble up, mommy boot it up, shake it down and gobble, gobble up, put my money up. Slide, slide in the belly trucker, the rave trucker, your bestie is a dick sucker, I'm big double. I just love that song. Don't delete me. Don't unfollow me. I just love it. It's mostly the beat, okay? It's mostly the beat. It's so good. But anyway, before I get out of here, I just want to say RIP to um, Chicago rapper King Von. King Von uh, was killed a few days ago, um, last week. Um, it was horrible. It was freaking horrible. There was a fight. It was a scuffle. And he was getting the best of one dude. The video happened so quick, to be honest, I didn't know what was going on. I was watching it and I'm just like, what is happening? They were in front of a, what looked like, what looked to be a club, a nightclub. And this dude just shot him. And then on top of that, another guy came and tried to steal his chain. Like while he was laying there bleeding. I don't know where they do that at. You steal from the dead. I feel like you're cursing your life. You're cursing your children. You're cursing your grandchildren. I don't know who would steal from the dead, but hey, they used to steal from the tombs. Like people used to literally break into tombs in Egypt um, in, in ancient times and steal the jewelry like right out of the tomb. I feel like no, like, you know, in the afterlife, you're going to suffer for that. And another thing that happened is that uh, King Von's sister went public and she was very distraught about um king von's autopsy was leaked by the mortician that is wild people have no morals these days they have no morals like you're working at a funeral home and you're just gonna like leak pictures for some clout for what i don't understand but if that was my brother they would have a lawsuit on their hands and unfortunately my curiosity got the best of me and I clicked on the autopsy and I wish I never did because the picture haunts me it traumatizes me and it's you know he's he he just looks like I don't know his body you can tell that the the bullet really damaged him like in his chest because it's like a deep deep gaping gash that they tried to stitch together but it didn't quite go well I don't know a lot about autopsies, but I don't think they did a good job. I don't think that's how it's supposed to look. So RIP to King Vaughn. I hope him and his family can find some healing. Um, also, um, you guys want to hear about some Miami events that's going to be um, coming up? There are no Miami events coming up. I'm so tired of y'all still going out and you know that it's COVID. They had a um, a, con a Jamaican concert last night in Wynwood. Nobody had on a mask and there was like at least... 200 people there and I was just like what bumba clap bumba clap <laughs> I was like what are y'all doing why is there a concert happening in the middle of a pandemic it was horrible it was horrible so like Florida cases are going up right now and that's what people are doing like you're gonna value a concert more than your life are you kidding me anyway y'all 
that's the podcast i hope you enjoyed it i sure enjoyed recording it stay black stay blessed it's lb from 305 the juice bye Thank you.